What is up, People First Leaders? My name is Chris Lin, and I am your advocate and host for the Leading People First podcast, where we are set to transform the workplace. I'm happy you're tuning in and joining me on this journey as we talk about leadership and its effect on the employee experience. Did you know that you can give a People First Leader a shout out right here on the podcast? Check out the listen page on our website, leadingpeoplefirst.com, and share some praise that you have for an amazing leader that you have in your life. Norma Lial Shizborowski wanted to shout out today's People First leader, Mark Feitner. Norma says that Mark is a great leader. He always puts his team first and listens to what we have to say or suggest. He made me feel important and that has helped me continue to grow. Well, Norma, thank you again for shouting out Mark Feitner. And Mark, if you're listening to this, just know that you are making an amazing impact. So keep leading people first. Speaking of someone who makes an impact, this episode's guest is Julio Mujuro, an award-winning mission-driven entrepreneur who has helped hundreds of other entrepreneurs tap into the power of their teams to grow their businesses. Julio's mindset and drive to grow others has led to increasing his impact all around the world. The impact of his work has actually been internationally recognized as he was one of the 100 most influential young Africans and is also a holder of the prestigious The Diana Award. But before we hear more about Julio and the impact that he's made on the world, let me share about this month's People First partner, Train Extra. Train Extra provides virtual and on-site training programs specifically tailored to meet your organization's needs on a variety of topics, including civility, sexual harassment prevention, anti-bullying, unconscious bias, and diversity and inclusion. For more information, please visit trainextra.com. That's T-R-A-I-N-X-T-R-A.com. Now let's dive into this episode. Hey, Julio, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, Chris, I'm super happy to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited because you were actually one of the very first people, I think you're actually the first person I ever reached out to as a possibility to come onto the podcast a number of months ago before I launched. And you and I had a conversation and I was just blown away by your story. And I'm so excited that I finally get to have you on and really, and now hit record. So the world knows your story. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was a very long time coming, huh? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for taking time uh, out of your day. And, you know, I, I just want to kick it off with the question I ask all of my guests and something that I know you absolutely do. So what does it mean to you to lead people first? Hmm. Well, I guess it summarizes with a quote that I share a lot is, whatever we are in life, we should listen with our brains we should speak from our hearts and we should act with our guts. And I guess that's what really means to lead with people first mindset. When you are in the center, you know, human beings are human beings. They're not just human resources. They're not just people, the clients. They're human first and foremost. Yeah, I love that. I love that, that saying, um, man, if we, if we really spoke more, and listened with our head more and really uh, yeah. led that way. That would be an amazing, we'd be a lot better off as a, as a <laughs> world, I think. So, uh, you know, I know your story, but I want you to be able to share it and I want everyone else to hear it. So walk us through how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so first things first, I'm from Mozambique. It's a beautiful country in Southeast Africa, some outside the US, you probably noticed by my accent. And for everyone listening that thinks that you have to be born to a rich family or have sort of like a job title or something like that, you don't need that to be successful because you end up determining what success is like for you. 
So I grew up in the north of Mozambique, not even the capital city of the country. I really had a pretty regular childhood. My mother was a teacher. I grew up in a very educational environment. I remember growing up and having a walk-in closet full of books and me waking up and sneaking out to read some books. <laughs> so that was fun. And yeah, I guess it was just a normal kid. When I was in university, that's when things really started to sort of change in terms of me understanding that, oh, I have to decide what I'm going to do with my life, actually. I was last year at university, about to graduate, and I realized that I had no job. I had no future, basically. Yeah. And I was talking with a friend of mine. He had a transportation business. He wanted to go into the educational business, but he, had, he knew nothing about education. And I was like, well, education is my background. That's why yeah. I've been doing it since I was born. <laughs> I was a lecturer assistant also in university. So I, can, I could create a professional course. I went, and that's what we do, what we did. It was a fun experience. I remember we did around 500 surveys. And I was super passionate about marketing because I learned marketing at university. And to my surprise, out of 500 people, only five people showed interest in marketing. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> my co-founder had a background in accounting and he really wanted to do that and to teach that. But I read around only 10 people wanted accounting. And we were sitting and I was like, you know what? Let's not put our vision before our egos. We have bills to pay. If this is what it takes to pay our bills, let's do what we must do. And I guess it was the first time they really picked on that in life, it's not just about you. Actually, your life is less about yourself and it's way more about the people that you impact and how you impact those people. And not from a place where you feel drained and depleted, really from your overflow, understanding that you are whole as yourself and everyone else is getting a chance and a privilege to tap into your wholeness. And the same way you are having that privilege with other people. So that was fun. I did that for around six months. We trained around 300 people, which is great for a startup. But then back in the days, I knew nothing about mentors or coaches or startup advisors and other good stuff. And I was making pretty good decisions, but deep down, I knew they weren't great decisions. That was one. And two, it really felt like I was cheating. You know, I was faking it. So I decided to get a job as a best way for me to develop as a leader. So it was one of those tough conversations that we must have with our co-founders. Uh, I was getting a job to go into the business. I, I started to operate as a business advisor to my own business, um, but it was a fun experience. I joined a Mozambican company, Ideal Lab. They're super major on supporting entrepreneurship in an ecosystem level. So that's where I started learning and harnessing my skills as a facilitator first, um, because I, I'm a natural facilitator, but you know, knowing the right terminology, the right structures and all the good stuff, and I started becoming a business advisor. That was fun. Two years into the business, I was invited to um, lead, or at least to help lead the YALI program. It's a US-based program initiated by the former president, Barack Obama, to support African leaders. He said in the US, they wanted to do it in Africa to support Africans in Africa. And I joined them to uh, sort of like design the entire marketing and sales part of the program. It was great fun. And then, yeah, it was two years on that when I was invited to lead the launch and management of one of the top tier business incubation programs here in Mozambique. And for my country where we didn't have business incubation programs, it was a huge honor. I really get to set the trend around what really means to be a young entrepreneur in my country. Mm -hmm. And what really surprised me was the fact that they ended up inviting me to deliver a train the trainers to program managers from Angola and Sudan. And I ended up becoming sort of like a role model for business program manager incubator. So huge kudos for that. And I remember it was 2018 when I was doing a great thing, as I mentioned, right? 
but I was just feeling this this sense, this feeling that I should be doing more. I just didn't know how. And one thing that I do every quarter is a power boot camp with myself and something that I do with my clients as well, where we get to really tune into, you know, what have we been doing and how the future looks like and how our legacy will look like and how, you know, in tune we are with that. So I, I started to realize a few patterns. So one was that because I'm super young, every time that I would go into a room, let's say it was a one hour meeting, uh, and I had 10 minutes to speak, I would have to spend five minutes proving myself, proving that I had and I was needed there. Yeah. And I also see that my leadership will spend a lot of time just proving that I was needed in their conversation. So I was like, okay, so how do I stop that so that I can have those 10 minutes to really focus on the issues and the problems that I was trying to solve? So a funny idea was like, well, let me just won some international awards. People will really start realizing that, you know, I know what I'm talking about. So let's do that. Let's start doing some things online, building my brand. And funny fact, in 2019, I won three international awards. So in January, I went to Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. I was nominated the most outstanding delegates at Global Goals Model United Nations. So great fun. And then in July, if I'm not mistaken, I received the Diana Award from the UK, which is one of the most prestigious accolades a young person can receive for their humanitarian works. And mind-blowing, in October, I was nominated one of the top 100 most influential young Africans and top 10 for social business innovation. And I was like, that's crazy, especially if you consider that there are around 200,000 young Africans in the continent right now. So yeah, a huge honor, but a huge responsibility was also in the midst of all those achievements that that feeling came back again. So what's the next level look like for me? And that's when Sharing Knowledge International came to be, where I get to support people really step back again into their power and they can really deliver their fulfillment to the world and decide how their legacy looks like. Yeah, you, man, you have had an action-packed uh, career in your very young career. And I yeah. think that it's an inspiration, especially to younger generations, younger uh, professionals, especially those who are starting off, that you absolutely can make an impact. And I yeah. really loved what you had said of you're not, it's not about you as an individual, right? About what you want to do or what you can do, but what you can do for others. What is the impact that you can have on other people? Um, and so it's really important for, I think, uh, up and coming generations to really truly understand that, that it's not about what uh, your necessarily uh, ability is to do your work and be successful for you, but how you can be successful for other people um, and what you can do to make a change in their lives. And you can make a change positively or negatively. So let's use those powers for good, right? And not <laughs> yeah. And, and really focus on um, and making a positive impact, which is, you know, something that I, I strive to do every day. And that's really important as a leader. So what is it that you do? Because leadership is, requ leadership requires consistency. Yeah. So what is it that you do to make positive impressions around those that you lead? Well, so there are so many things. I guess the first one is not project my expectations around other people. And I found it's particularly easy if you are in a leadership position or if you are facilitating, you're a business owner. It's so easy to have this strong vision and pull everyone to that vision without considering what the other, the other person's vision is. So the first thing is 
you know, detach a little bit, understand what a person really wants and what, what do I want and how we can some, you know, some find a way to meet somewhere in, in between those two different visions. So that's one. And two is really be open to listen. I found that active listening is such a hard skill. A lot of the times we know we listen to respond, we listen to react and not necessarily to actually um, have a conversation. Yeah. So I focus on having powerful conversations and always have your intention set beforehand. That's for sure. Um, I don't engage in conversations without, if I don't have a clear goal, a clear intention, even if the intention is, I want to understand this person better, right? There is an intention. So it doesn't have to be uh, egotistic or completely altruistic. It can be some, some, somewhere in between, but be clear around your intention beforehand. That will go a long way. And if you do it uh, enough, enough, you know, again and again and again, it will become consistent. It will become a behavior. Yeah. I love what you said about alignment also and, and, and really connecting because something that I think a lot of organizations and leaders do in, in organizations, especially when it comes to alignment is it's a very top down approach, right? It's here's what our business is. You need to fall in line with what we say, (laughs) which Right. To a fault, that's that's right, right, is you do all need everyone rowing and moving in the same direction. However, you you from a change management perspective and from a personal connection relationship building perspective, you absolutely can't just say, like, this is what it is. Follow like follow these guidelines. You have to have a conversation with them. And like you said, around active listening, you really have to listen to what they're saying, what the individuals are saying on how they interpret what those goals are or what the purpose is or what the values of the organization is because uh, you need to have, you need to pull them with you. You don't want to push them in the direction that you need them to go. It's a lot easier to just kind of give them a rope and help help them along versus forcing them forward, right? So, <laughs> yeah, indeed. But I guess there's so many things about that. So the first is the background that most companies and organizations are operating that's basically based on the industrial revolution, right? Where each one of us has a particular role and it wants to do that one thing exactly this way. Otherwise, we'll screw the entire process, right? Well, flash news is 2020. <laughs> we are way, I don't know, after the revolution. So now it's the technology revolution and human revolution. So there is a need to change our our mindset around our times, right? So that's the first one. And second, I found that the sweet spot is allowing creativity within a framework, right? So as an organization, as a business, you do, you must have your goals, right? You must have a clear path to go but it's the ability to inc- allow other people to contribute to that vision, to actually yes. expand it, because yep. people then have the ownership of it, right? And they're way more motivated to work for you and with you to make things happen, instead of just dictating what every single thing should be. And I particularly love the book uh, by Jill Collins, um, The Good to Great Book, when it says that it's all about making sure that you, people comes first, right? Make sure that you have the right people in the right seats first, and then with them, you get to decide where you're going to go as a business, yes. right? So your role is not to, you know, just have superstars in your companies, making sure that people are in the right seats, not only in the right company. And I, when I'm coaching entrepreneurs, oftentimes I tell them, you know what, you have a vision that allows people to sort of like find you 
Now it's your time to open up their vision and let people collaborate. So yeah, you have to be clear around like the bare minimal of technical skills you want, but there are some things that you're going to spend so much time developing it's better to have people who already have those things, right? Like self-motivation, self-drive, accountability. Those are values that at least if you want to work with me, you have to have them, <laughs> right? I don't want to motivate you. I want to make sure that you don't get demotivated, yes. right? But you have to have that initial drive. So that's a huge lesson um, when it comes down to that. And third, especially if you are a small business owner, I found that it's so easy to get attached to your vision and not allowing people to collaborate and really expand and grow your business. So there is this sense of you stepping up in a higher role as a leader to allow people to really become leaders themselves because that's your role, right? It's not to just generate followers, it's to generate fellow leaders. But you have to hold the space for those leaders to, um, to be realized. Yeah, we, we really need our leaders to empower those around us to lead themselves. And again, we don't need, necessarily need individuals around us to lead teams. They can. That's not, that's not a bad thing is what I'm saying is um, but they at least need to lead themselves, right? Based yeah. on the characteristics that you, you shared, right? You need to have that grit. You need to have that determination, that motivation, that yeah. ambition. You need to be able to work towards what, have that willingness to work and put in the hard work and be held accountable to what you do. You know, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to, to um, mess up, but hold, you know, be accountable to that and recognize when something doesn't go wrong or something doesn't go right. Sorry. When something goes wrong and, um, and learn from that. And something that you, I know that you uh, really focus on is when you lead your team and talking about taking your business from good to great, how these current generations that are especially stepping into leadership and management roles are yeah. now having to lead multiple generations and different backgrounds. So talk more about that. Yeah, so that can be quite crazy. I remember when I was managing an incubation program, I had the team that was part of the company that I really worked for. And it was a team of, I was, I think it was only three millennials and everyone else was a, genera a generation before. Mm -hmm. And most of the entrepreneurs we supported was a generation after millennials, so Gen Z, right? So there was this fun game to play. And even within that already complex structure, uh, the main client that I work with, sort of like corporate client, they were based in the Netherlands. They were Dutch-based organization. So even though some of them were millennials, they are in a completely, you know, cultural background and experience. So it was fun to understand and sort of like allow those interactions to come through. So a few things that I learned is that first and foremost, recognize the differences. You know, we are always trying to, you know, avoid conflict and make sure that yeah. we are all tuned in and aligned. You cannot do that if you don't start first by identifying the differences, right? Not only differences in languages, but cultural differences. One, for instance, is that Dutch people are very straightforward. You know, they don't sugarcoat stuff. They don't lie. It's, for them, it's like, if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but if you come from a country like Mozambique, we have like a strong or a, a long power range where it's like, I cannot correct my boss directly. For most organizations, I was lucky to work in a very open-minded organization where that was normal, but there is that very embedded in people around here, right? So recognize the differences. Different generations tend to value different things. You see millennials specifically love um, 
questions around or issues around impact. We really want to know that our work matter, that we are making a difference. It's not just about making money, right? Mainly because the generation before us made such a great job ensuring that we have most of our basic needs met, right? And now they're the ones who also, be, you know, sort of like uh, integrating that social driven or social impact driven mindset. Yep. And if you look for Gen Z, they were born with technology, right? So they are geeks around, way geeker than I am at least, around, you know, creating viral campaigns and sort of like being witnessed yes. in a sense. So when you understand that most generations from that place, and not necessarily because they are, you know, they are stupid or they are egotistic, really because it's the context they were um, sort of like brought into, you start mm-hmm. understanding, so how can I connect with the other person? Because that's what really is driving them. Yes. Right? So that's the first one, acknowledge the differences. And two will be, it comes down to that being that openness to flexibility, right? That, that flexibility to change or openness to change other. When you understand that, yeah, we're coming off from different backgrounds, we do have a purpose. So how can we all contribute to the purpose and allow that purpose to become something bigger and better that each one of us individually will have possibly create? And that's super massive. It's the same thing as saying that, you know, before developing a product, go check with your clients what they really want before you spend time developing something, right? Yeah. The same thing, um, sometimes I work with clients who, and this particular, particular example, it's fun because he was super into social impact and the sort of like benefits that he employees had were sort of, you know, health, health mental, mental and dental care, um, incentives to get you know the first house really sort of things that will allow people to sort of settle in into a life right yeah but when we went to look into his employees they didn't value that most of them had health insurance way greater than he could afford as a small business owner most of them were super passionate around traveling and having flexibility to working from home mm-hmm. um no, no not necessarily full-time but at least having you know if they had needed to pick up their kids they could go and do that yeah so when we change the subject from, you know, all that money you're putting into paying those benefits that people are not valuing it, why don't you actually pay for something that people actually value, right? Yes. And he was like, but this is important. I was like, yeah, for you, your generation <laughs> value those things, yes. right? Your employees don't. Um, and not just a generational thing, it's also a cultural thing. They don't. So if you just put your ego aside and focus on your vision, that's when you really start to make a change. So that's the funny game that you can play when you are working with people from multiple generations and sometimes multiple multiple cultural backgrounds as well. Yeah, we have to absolutely <laughs> acknowledge our differences first and not in the yeah. way, you know, we there's often a misconception that acknowledging difference equals division. That is not true. Acknowledging difference is understanding and recognizing the other person for who they are and identifying where there are differences between individuals or between cultures or groups. So you have to acknowledge and understand what that other, where that other person is coming from. And when you can, that's, that's the first step. And then, like you said, when you understand where that person is coming from or what's important to them, then you can truly identify what it is that is important to them, like you said. And that's where I think a lot of organizations uh, fail in their, not necessarily fail, but they miss that step 
with the employee experience is they, like you said, with benefits, they might say, oh my gosh, this is an amazing benefit that we have. But if they don't use it, then you're paying money for something that is just being wasted and you're wasting that money. And that money could have gone to something better, could have gone to training or whatever it is your, your employee base wants or needs or values. So talk to your teams, talk to your employees. I mean, they, they're the ones that know what they want or have a sense of what they want. Um, and so make sure that you tailor your, your benefits and your, uh, your offerings to what they actually want. And I, I will say it is, it is tough right now. We have five generations of uh, five generations in the workplace. All of them value different things. All of them want different things. So being flexible in your offerings as well as much as possible will be important moving forward. Um, and so I know that something that something else that is always evolving that you've, you've shared is our identities. So yeah. talk about how your sense of why you believe our identity, our identities are always evolving and changing. Yeah, so there's so many layers into identities, right? I guess, let's take a step back why identity is so important. I guess when people think about success, they tend to focus on the strategies, right? And thanks to Silicon Valley, people also focus around the context in which this strategy is implemented. Mm-hmm. But being honest, who in the developed world, like right now, who doesn't know what they have to do in order to lose weight or lose fat and gain muscle? Everyone knows at least three strategies to lose fat and gain weight. So what's stopping people to actually get in the best shape of their lives? I mean, we all have a, a PT in our, you know, within our network. We know, you know where the gyms are. We know all those things. So mm-hmm. I found that success is mainly, and really it's 80% the internal game. It's your energy, your mindset, and your identity. And it's sort of like the game of a computer, you know, like you have a MacBook, it has an identity, so the hardware and the software. But then mm-hmm. if you just buy a brand new MacBook, it won't be of use. We have to install some programs, right? Allow you to interact with the, with the identity. And that's your mindset. So the different programs, let's say Final Cut Pro or Zoom, you know, Google Chrome, whatever it is, those are the programs that allow you to interact with the world. That's your mindset. And then you have the energy. You can have the most powerful laptop in the world. If you don't put it up into a power source, it's not yeah. going to work, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the game. Um, and I found that a lot of the times we, first of all, we think that our identity is fixed, that who we are today is the exact same person that I'm always going to be. But Chris, let me just change gears a little bit. Let me ask you a question. Are you the same person you were five years ago? No, I would say I'm not the same person I was earlier this year, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, pandemic aside, I mean, there's just been so much that's happened in my own life. And uh, right, like um, my my son being born late last year and, and learning how to cope with uh, two kids now versus one, right? Um, you know, there's so many things. And yeah, you're right. We we absolutely yeah. change on a, on a day-to-day, day-to-day basis. If we, yeah. if we let most, of the, yeah. most of us, we don't do it consciously, right? So what I often like to challenge people to do is, what will it take for you to consciously decide what type of person you will be in the future? Instead of just believing that you are a byproduct of your environment, which you're not, how will it take for you to actually decide 
how you're going to show up in the future. And I love this study that was done, I believe, in the 80s, and it was replicated in the, uh, in the early 2000s as well, when they cited twins, and identical twins are literally natural clones, so they are genetically the same. Mm-hmm. But then, just from the variations in the mother's womb, they can have different fingerprints. Mm-hmm. Just from that, and again, they are genetically identical. And if you look at their lives, you can have two twins, right? Two people completely different. One can be overweight. The other one can be completely fit. One can be abusing drugs and alcohol. The other one cannot. So we are not just a byproduct of our environment. Our environment does influence us a lot, but we get always to choose how we're going to show up. And I found that particularly now with everything going on, people end up just reacting instead of taking the moment to think and respond, right? That's what the role of a strategic leader is. It's you understanding that you, you don't have to showcase anger, sad, um, happiness, the exact same way you've been doing your entire life. You can get to decide how you're going to express those things. I mean, look at the most beautiful songs ever written. Oftentimes they come from heartbreaks from people losing everything they had in life. And they use that as a creative power to create something beautiful. So again, you're not a byproduct of your environment. You get to decide how you're going to show up every single day. Oh, you gave me, literally, I got chills. And I and we talked about this before. <laughs> but I mean, just then, I mean, yes, we we have to have a mindset and be intentional on how we show up. We can choose consciously whether or not we allow something to affect us emotionally. Um, and, you know, there are, I, I will say also, though, there are uh, other factors where someone cannot change their circumstances. Um, however, in, the mo- in most cases, we absolutely can look at a circumstance or an issue, look at those areas of what's going on around us and say, how am I going to react to that? For example, you know, I have a pretty short temper. Uh, growing up, I had a terrible temper. Um, I mean, absolutely terrible. And when I tell people that now, right, they say... I wouldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, they say, you, you have a temper? I'm like, oh yeah, it's bad. And it's still there. It's just that I've been able to recognize it and work on it myself, right? And I choose, you know, to... I consciously choose, yes, it flares up in my mind and in my body and I get those emotions, but I consciously choose to take a different path. So you're completely right. It's very important for leaders as things flare up in the organization and a lot of times in companies, fires pop up (laughs) all day, especially if you're a manager and it's up to us as leaders to choose how we react because then how we react and how we show up influences how our teams and those around us will act moving forward. If you show that you, let's say, like if I were to still have my bad temper and show that at work, I can guarantee that no one on my team would want to talk to me if they had bad news. Yeah, for sure. And people think that it's about you becoming fake or you faking it or you don't feel your emotion. It's not about that you can genuinely feel deep anger and almost trying to slap somebody in the face and decide not to do it. Yes. Right? Even though you're mad, even though that they messed up, you can decide how you're going to respond. And if you are mindful around 
again about your intention and the outcome you're trying to to obtain you realize that oh instead of me just reacting let me respond in a way that is conducive to the person to achieve that goal and then we can see to talk about it mm-hmm. right so then i can also process whatever i'm feeling but yeah allow yourself to feel it's not about being being fake or being numb it's about deciding how you're going to portray those feelings and emotions yeah yeah absolutely so I want to shift just a little bit because I know that you, uh, I want to talk a little bit about transformation and yeah. I know that this is something that you've talked about in the past. So a lot of times, you know, just in general in our society is we're chasing tangible results, right? We're <laughs> yeah. chasing dollars, we're chasing clients, we're chasing process improvements, whatever it might be. Talk about how, transformation happens in two different two different ways yeah for sure so it really comes down again we already spoke about this a little bit before so transformation happens on external level in our internal level the same way that success happens right if you stop to think success is a transformation that was realized right as a potential that's been realized so on external way transformation happens in terms of strategy and in context right you have a certain strategy you can change strategies and the context is the situation you're trying to change, right? How is it right now and how you want it to be? Yep. But that's just a reflection of the internal transformation. That's when the 80% of work gets to happen. And it comes down to your energy, your mindset, and your identity again. In a model of entrepreneurs, when I say that, especially high achievers like myself, it's like, Julio, that's not going to make the cut for me, right? <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I get why they're saying that, but... If you just stop to think, how many people have their strategies, but they don't grow, right? I mean, you can have, you can be the best Halloween party decorator, right? But if you're going to implement that only on Halloween, your business is probably going to run out. <laughs> You'll run out of cash eventually, right? You have to find the right context to implement the strategy. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're just faking it until you make it in by using the strategy and getting the results, you will end up feeling like an imposter. Because you will never became the person that naturally does those things on a daily basis. Right. Right. And something fun about those two sort of like level or layers of transformation is that internal transformation is fast. You don't take 10 years to change your like to change how you feel about your body necessarily, right? It takes you 10 years to say, you know what, I'm done feeling this way. I'm gonna decide to feel something else, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't take that much time. Don't, Internal transformation is fast, is quick, is potent. Thing is, external transformation does take time and space because we live, you know, in a 3D physical world with time and space playing up together, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to understand that even though you transform into a new version of yourself, you upgraded your identity, you updated your mindset, and you are tuning to your power and your energy source, the world will still need to catch up with the transformation. And that's when people start to procrastinate. That's when people start to see like, oh, there's so much resistance, which is natural, right? The world is used to seeing you as a version A. For them to just imagine a version B, it's like, I'm losing a friend here. You know, I'm losing a buddy here. Who's this new person that's coming, (laughs) you know, into my life? Who's this person, right? So it's natural that everything and everyone sort of tries to get you back into your old self, but it's your role to not only just push back, but allow that inner transformation to create a ripple effect so that they can also start transforming because you have transformed. Yeah. Right. So that's the fun game around transformation. 
And I guess the last part is it comes down around measuring the transformation, right? And a lot of the times we have the wrong KPIs for the wrong things. I literally just wrote an article about this on LinkedIn on how it's so easy to get stuck on vanity metrics, you know, the number of likes, followers, comments yes. in your posts. Mm -hmm. Instead of you really focusing on is your business growing or not? <laughs> likes don't pay bills, you know? Yep. Likes don't allow you to change completely the world just because of a like. You have to monetize the like. So instead of focusing on vanity metrics, focus on metrics that end up reflecting the result you are trying to see. And people, when I say that, people oftentimes ask me, so why does Facebook have 33 metrics for an ad? And I remind people, yeah, those metrics are meant to help you see what can you change if something is not the way that you want it to be, right? Mm -hmm. So first of all, don't measure something if you're not really, not willing to change. Yes. Because if the result is not good, you should take action. Knowing just for the sake of knowing, just to be a nerdy, doesn't work, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be willing to make a change if something's not good. Yes. And second is, there are metrics that allow you to change the process, right? So, you know, if you try a deep, uh, some diet for three months, it's not working, you can change it. You try a new strategy, it's not working, you can change it, right? Those metrics will allow you to change the process. But the really sort of like juicy targets you'll be focusing on and KPI you're focusing on are the ones that allow you to change the outcome. Those are, that's when things really start to be fun and you can see, oh, so I'm seeing change and transformation, right? And if you play with those two layers, like internal transformation, external, you'll start having more direct KPIs. Yeah, I uh, I love that, especially around where you share how it's about how KPIs can really affect outcomes. I mean, that is something that constantly gets missed. I mean, just from a personal level, right, is when I'm looking at like, let's say this podcast and I'm looking at, you know, my audience and my analytics, right? And it's like, okay, how many yeah. people downloaded an episode? But that doesn't mean anything if they don't convert or, or write a review, hint, hint, write a review, yeah. um, right? But, you know, you know, all these things where I need that, I, we need our people, those around us, we need them to do more. We need to really focus on what is it going to take to actually achieve the results that we're looking for versus how we're just kind of tracking how things are today. And they're, they're more, a lot of KPIs are focused on the past, right? Yeah. We really need them to focus on the future and how we can affect the future. And so, um, yeah, that's great insight. So, <laughs> so real quick, I, I, I know we touched on, touched on it a little bit, but the last question I want to ask you is what is the impact that you are looking to have on this world? Yeah, sure. So I really got obsessed around power dynamics. So not necessarily in an egotistic way, actually in the contrary, I really believe that every single one of us, we are powerful beyond a measure. What happened is that we forgot, right? Life happened. Um, we've seen different people misusing their power. So we end up associating power with evil, which is not true. Mm -hmm. So yeah, first and foremost, guys, I really expect that after listening to this, you start remembering your power. You start realizing that you have free will and that your free will is not necessarily controlling how your life will play out, but it's you having the choice and the freedom to decide how you're going to show up regardless. And once you remember that you have that power, I challenge you and I'll be super happy to support you 
into stepping and owning their power, whatever it takes, so you can help others do the same. For power, it's not given or taken. Power is only shared and misused. You can reclaim your power because it's never been stolen. You just have to remember that. Um, so yeah, that's really the legacy that I'm looking to build that everyone remembers that and lives that on a daily basis. I love that. Um, and I know that that's completely genuine because I mean, just the way that you're, you're sharing this and the, the, the joy that's on your face right now, again, I know that this is a podcast format people can't see your face, but oh my gosh, like that looked like you were looking to my soul. I know that if people were watching this, they would be like, oh my gosh, like Julio is in my corner. He's got me. So yes. So where can people connect with you and, and really learn more about what you're doing and how you might be able to, how you might be able to support them as well? Yeah, sure. So I'm on social media as a good millennial I am. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter at Julio Mojorro. That's J-U-L-I-O-M-U-H-O-R-R-O. Or you can find me via my company LinkedIn page, Sharing Knowledge International. Just DM me. I would love to have a conversation with you to make sure that you get into the other side more powerful than ever. Awesome. Well, thank you, Julio. Thank you so much for coming on and man, all the luck to you and well, all the best because I know you're going to do amazing things. <laughs> amazing. Thank you very much, Chris. I really appreciate this. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leading People First podcast. I hope hearing about Julio's approach and mindset has inspired you just as much as it inspired myself. I know that since our conversation, I actually tweaked my own thinking and approach to the employee experience because of this conversation, specifically around mindset and leading and with an intentional mindset and the evolution of the employee experience itself. So let's continue this conversation. You can connect with Julio on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Again, all of his information is down in the show notes and make sure you follow Leading People First on LinkedIn and Instagram as well. I'm glad you're joining me on this journey exploring how leadership affects the employee experience. Don't forget to hit subscribe and share this episode with someone who's been wanting to transform their own leadership. Keep leading people first and stay awesome.